Hello. Hey, Mike. How are you? Dan, good to hear your voice. Thank you. I wanted to call you because you're my favorite person to ask dating questions to because you've been in such a long-term relationship. You have almost no experience with these things. Famously been on, I think, two and a half dates. I love it. I wanted to ask you, what is what do you think the worst place to break up with someone is? Because I remember many years ago, I was at a concert with my girlfriend and I turned to her and I was like, this would be a horrible place to break up with someone. And she was like, why would you say that to me here right now? It was not a good move on my part. It was also her birthday. And who was playing? John Baptiste, the band leader for Stephen Colbert. Wow. You should have said, this is just a bad place to be. <laughs> it's a bad place to take someone on their birthday. It's a bad place on any day. It was a fun show. Like you said, I don't really have any experience, so I've taken to Google with your question here. You know, I'm a big business insider guy. That's my source for news. They have a list. Like every website has a list on worst places to break up. And they list uh, Warped Tour. Oh, yikes. It's kind of the same thing, like being at a concert. Well, you think your thing was a concert? Or is that his house? (laughs) No, it was at Webster Hall. It was a real venue. Warped Tour seems worse because... It doesn't end. Like, at least the John Baptiste concert was only, like, an hour and a half. Okay, so say you're at Warp Tour. What band do you want on while you're being broken up with? Me in particular, I'd probably want, like, a, a Weezer who hasn't played Warp Tour since the late 90s. Because that's the kind of person I am. So in your scenario, it's 1999. You're breaking up with your first grade sweetheart at Warp Tour. Yeah. Well, it's Paramore, both sides for me. So you would uh, break up with someone during Paramore? Yeah, slow song. Only exception. You're saying you would pick the exact song. You would say, all right, at this point in the set list, this is when I'm going to drop the knowledge. Yeah, I mean, if they're playing Only Exception, it's probably pretty late into the set. They're not going to open with that. What if it goes from the Only Exception to Misery Business? I feel like that's a very aggressive one-two punch to break up with someone during a Paramore concert. Break up with someone during Misery Business. You got to watch out for hands flying your way. What else did Business Insider say where you shouldn't break up with someone? Great. I got the article right in front of me. Business Insider, famous for instructing people on their relationship goals and how to get through a breakup. So number 12 is in the shower. I wholeheartedly agree with their opinion there. That is a bad place to break up. 11, Warp Tour. 10 seems to be just vacation in general. Movie theater. After surgery. Who's breaking up with someone after surgery? Hey, I know you got your gallbladder out, but I don't love you anymore. So you do, you do some copywriting. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think this article goes for on the freelance market? Six bucks? <laughs> well, we all know Business Insider, famously the Cosmo for finance bros. <laughs> I like that I called you asking for the worst places to break up, and I learned about Business Insider and the content they provide, which is Much more broad than I would have expected. All right, I'm going to go start the show and talk to another podcaster. Great, that sounds like a good idea. (laughs) All right, thanks, Mike. Hello, and welcome to Out of Love, the show where we try to make sense of love in hopes of better relationships, bettering ourselves, and in my case, becoming a better wedding officiant. My name is Dan Castrella, and all I ever want to do is die upon that hill with you. On today's show... Host of Breakup Boost, Trina Lecky. Breakups are super tricky, but they're a universal part of relationships and learning from them. Sometimes you don't see the breakup coming at all. It hits you like a freight train. You wonder what brought on the breakup, and you replay the entire relationship in your head like a vine, 
over and over again. The good, the bad, and you wonder what went wrong. Sometimes you completely see it coming, but you don't act upon it because you want to stay in the comfort of the relationship. You love your partner, but you don't feel as though you're compatible. Logically, you know it can't work, but you want the warmth of love sunbeam. But if you try and stay in it too long, you'll realize you're just out in the cold. Like I said, breakups are tricky. And every situation is individualistic, though the pain of heartbreak is universal to everybody. It's inevitable that you're going to feel miserable, but you don't have to live in it. That's what Trina of Breakup Boost advocates. Trina is a breakup coach and host of the popular podcast Breakup Boost, where she tells you what you need to hear and not just what you want to hear. She believes that sugarcoating only keeps people stuck and that a change in perspective has the power to change your life. Trina knows what it's like to go through heartbreak, but she also knows that you can always get through it and be better because of it. Her mission is to help people heal their hearts and get back in the dating saddle. She provides personalized coaching for anyone struggling, seeking guidance, or who just needs someone to talk to. I sat down with Trina and talked about why breakups sting so much, how to get over them properly, and how to be open in your relationship so you can help salvage it. And even if you aren't going through a breakup, you can use the experiences of others to improve your relationships, both romantic and informal. So here's Trina. Thank you so much for coming on with us today. Thanks, Dan. It's so nice to be on your podcast. Thank you. At the top of the show, we were having a discussion about where the worst place to break up with someone is. And I'm curious, in your experience, what is the oddest location you've ever heard of of a breakup taking place in? I don't know if it's so much odd, but I guess probably a vacation because vacations seem to make or break a relationship. You could literally be getting along really well with someone and there's something about going away with someone that can literally make or break you. It's, It's kind of the thing where you can't escape the situation because you're in a certain place. Things just seem to get amplified when you're <laughs> when you're away from home. Yeah, probably on a vacation. That's a great way to ruin a vacation too. So it's not, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, that's the thing people always say. Like you don't really know someone until you've traveled with them, and that always seems to be like, like you said, a make or break point for a relationship. Exactly. Even friendships. That's why sometimes solo traveling is the way to go because you do what, whatever you want on your own time. And <laughs> Absolutely. I actually took my first solo travel trip last year to your city, Vancouver. Had a wonderful time. Oh, awesome. Yeah. It's the first time I ever went somewhere by myself. I was so terrified and it was like the mm-hmm. best thing I ever did. So it's always about going outside your comfort zone. Now, I'm curious as to how you got started working specifically as a breakup coach, if you wouldn't mind talking us through your specific journey. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, my background is marketing and communications, but I love that, and that always helps out no matter what you're doing. But I always felt there was something more I wanted to do, and I had more to offer the world. I found myself constantly encountering people who were either struggling with a relationship, going through a breakup sitting on the fence about whether or not they should break up or getting back into the dating scene and having a really tough time with it. And mm-hmm. it seems like no matter which way you turn these days, there's somebody with a relationship problem, you know? So yeah. I was constantly offering advice and coaching friends or even random people through their heartbreak and dating episodes. Then I decided to kick it up a notch and start the Breakup Boost podcast to be able to extend my reach, to be able to help people around the world, basically. I always say that heartbreak is such a universal thing because no matter what gender you are, no matter how old you are, or no no matter what race you are, you're going to experience heartbreak in your life. And there's just no way of dodging it, right? So everybody needs this kind of help and support. And what is your process of coaching someone through a breakup? 
my whole idea behind this is we don't want to have you sitting in something longer than you have to, right? So we want you to heal from your heartbreak in a short amount of time as possible instead of having it drag on for, you know, months and months or even years. Mm -hmm. Because breakups can feel so overwhelming, you know, especially at the onset. It can feel like you can't go on with life. Your emotions are all over the place. And this person is suddenly no longer in your life. You know, we know... It's not true, of course, but when you're in the midst of it, it, you can feel like your whole world is over and that you're Mm -hmm. never going to be okay again and you can't live without this person. And so that's why it's so important to have someone to reach out who understands your situation and that unbiased perspective really helps. For me, it's, it's all about giving that fresh perspective because they're usually looking at the relationship and the problems from one angle with their rose-colored glasses on, right? They're not being completely real with themselves Mm -hmm. and they're not being completely honest with themselves. So then people can reach out to me for coaching through either email or they can talk to me on the phone. And so then we dive into all of the details of their relationship from the beginning to whatever's going on in the current time. And then from that, I give my analysis of the situation, which always involves telling people what they need to hear versus what they may want to hear. Of course. And then it includes putting a plan in place as to what they can do for going forward. Yeah. And usually when people reach out, they're already feeling better and hopeful. And it's about encouraging them and empowering them. Of course. And it's nice to talk to an unbiased person who doesn't have personal details about you and the person you've broken up with to kind of go through a neutral party. Exactly. Because, you know, friends and family, first of all, they're usually saying the same thing like, oh, you know, get over it. There's more fish in the sea or, you know, you deserve better. They're just kind of saying the same things over and over or, you know, that that guy was a dick or whatever the case may be. And there's only so many times they want to hear about the same thing because people usually like if there's someone willing to listen, the person going through heartbreak will talk about it for hours if they could, you know. Yeah. And repeat the same things. Exactly. And so that's not helping either, you know, and after a while, the family and friends, they're just like avoiding the person because they're like, I don't want to hear about this anymore. Yeah. So. <laughs> and then you as the the person who's going through the heartbreak feel like no one wants to hear about it. And you kind of feel like the stigma that you have to keep it internalized, which will only make it worse for you. Yeah. Like the worst thing is to feel like you're alone in what you're going mm-hmm. through. And that's exactly when you're in the midst of it, when you're feeling hopeless and when you're crying and you're like can't get out of bed yeah you do feel so alone and like I don't want anyone feeling alone out there yeah and it feels helpless throughout the pandemic and quarantine have you found there to be more less or about the same amount of breakups that there normally would be actually I think that there's the same amount of relationship problems but Mm -hmm. quarantine has just been able to highlight those problems because before Mm -hmm. covid People had so many distractions and it's so easy to let things slide or ignore things and just go to work or go out on the weekends. But in quarantine, people have all the time in the world to think about those problems and they're literally staring them right in the face. So -hmm. there's just no running from that. And ironically, I think this is a really good thing for a lot of people who have been unhappy and have literally just been going through the motions, right? Because running from your problems is never going to be a solution. And I think that this has also given people a chance to realize how precious life is, how precious their time is. And do you really want to be spending the rest of your life in an unhappy relationship? Probably not. It kind of seems like actually what we were talking about at the top of the show with going on vacation. Like in a way, being in quarantine with your significant other intensifies your relationship and your experience together. 
That's such a good point. Exactly. Now, I personally have been on both sides of, of a breakup, on the breaking up and being broken up with. And it is never easy and it always hurts. Why does it sting and linger so long for a person? Breakups are never fun, no matter which way you spin it. You know, it stings because you spent so much time with this person. You had such strong feelings for them. And then suddenly they're just like, poof, no longer in your life. Mm -hmm. So you're essentially grieving the loss of a person. They're still alive, but you're still grieving the loss. And it feels like a huge void. But people have to realize that they do have a choice to heal from it or allow it to linger on way longer than it should, right? It's a choice. You just really have to take the bull by the horns and be determined to move on from the breakup in a healthy and positive way. And sure, it hurts no matter what. But depending on how you handle it, you could either be stuck for a short amount of time or you could find yourself stuck for a year or more, right? And if you're not doing anything beneficial for yourself and if you're constantly sitting there obsessing over your ex, well, then it can't be that shocking that you're struggling to get over them. Yeah. One of the funny things about breakups is television movies, because they have a narrative structure and they always go to a point, they portray relationships as ending over one thing, but that usually is never the case. If you feel like a relationship isn't working, what is a way to have an open, mature conversation about your relationship, maybe break up and walk away from the relationship? Yeah, that's so true. It's always brewing for a while or festering. You really just have to sit down and be completely honest about how you're feeling in a calm and constructive way. Like ideally you're sitting down face to face. Like it's not something you want to just start texting. And you want to focus on the positives about the relationship and what you gain from it. But then you also have to be honest why you're not feeling fulfilled. And you don't want to make it seem as though you're blaming the other person and taking zero accountability because it always takes two to tango. Mm -hmm. Owning your part is key as well. And you have to be open to listening to how they feel too, because it can't just be a one-sided thing. So both people should really take that time to put everything out on the table so then they can walk away from that conversation without having to later say, oh, I'm confused, or I still need closure. Because when people say they're confused or that they still need closure, they're really just not accepting that their relationship is over, right? The closure yeah. is that the relationship is not working. So like, get it all out and deal with it then and there. Because then if you're walking away still having questions, well, then you're still going to be sitting there thinking about all that. Say what you need to say and keep it as calm as possible. Because the last thing you want to be doing is screaming at each other or make it even more you know, hostile of a situation. Yeah, you don't want to intensify your emotions. Yeah, exactly. How can a couple tell if it's time for the relationship to end or if maybe there's just a lull in the relationship? I would say no relationship is ever going to feel like sunshine and rainbows 100% of the time, of course. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a really big difference between feeling like you're over it and just having some off days. You know, like, you know in your gut whether or not you're feeling that the relationship still has legs or, you know, feeling positive about it somewhat, or if you're literally dreading being around that person. You can also tell by the feeling that they give you while you're around them. And the thing is, like, do you still like keeping in touch throughout the day? Or are you literally trying to avoid them? And is the thought of breaking up even on your mind? The thought or hesitation of being with this person still won't be there if you're still invested in the relationship. You would instead be looking for ways to solve the problems or find ways to add excitement to the relationship. And sometimes you could be into the person, but you just can't get along or 
you're just not compatible or you just don't seem to be on the same page. So then it's just a matter of being honest with yourself, you know, and that makes it difficult too, because if you really like the person or if you're really attracted to the person, you could just think, no, I still want to be with them. But you have to be realistic too. Like, do you really have enough to go on here? Or are you kind of just keeping yourself stuck in denial? For sure. And I I think the excuse we're just not compatible is an excellent one. It it is true. You shouldn't be with someone who you don't see a long-term future with. But on the other side, I feel as though that's really hard to accept. It's hard to hear, hey, you're great. You're not doing anything wrong. It's just that we're not compatible. If one person's feeling this way, the other person, I mean, unless they're completely oblivious, they're going to know that something's not wrong too. You can always pick up on the other person. Yeah. Right. So I think if one person's acting like, oh, I have no idea or I had no idea anything was wrong, I think that's them being in denial too, because you need to be able to pick up on these things. Like you can tell, you can tell when someone's super interesting still, or if they're kind of like backing away and distancing themselves. Yeah. They're not engaged. Exactly. You did an episode about rereading old texts and looking at old pictures, maybe on social media, which is something I used to be guilty of. (laughs) And it's such a new modern problem. Why is it that we go back and revisit these painful memories, even though we might logically be okay with the breakup? Because people are holding on to the happy times. And they're wishing so bad that those happy times still existed. They're reminiscing about the beginning. This goes back to, do you want to heal and move on? Or do you want to stay stuck? You need to erase those messages. You need to take those photos off of your phone. Because those things are only going to trigger you and make you miss your ex, which is not going to help you move forward. Like Focus on the now. Focusing on the past is not going to help you. It's just like people who get married. Everyone who gets married one day, they were happy at one time, yet half of marriages end in divorce. Yeah. And I feel as though people seek comfort and they seek familiarity. And so they'll go back to people, even though they logically know they're wrong for them. And and I'm, again, guilty of this too, where I think, well, I'm smart and mature enough. I can still at least be friends with this person. Why do people have that hubris that they think they can still be friends with their ex after they break up? Because they're not ready to totally accept that things are over. And they're thinking, a lot of them are thinking that they're still going to be able to change their ex's mind or that things can work out. So it's a way of staying in contact. But at the end of the day, loneliness leads to bad decisions, right? And Mm -hmm. letting go of that familiar feeling and comfort that you may find with an ex is just hard. So many people tell themselves this story that they're never going to meet anyone else and that they're going to be alone forever. And people need to stop letting that kind of fear control their lives. Actually, I did a whole episode on this, episode 169. I actually talk about squashing all of those fear-based beliefs because those all keep people stuck in dead-end relationships. I often hear about people having conflicts about their ex being close with their family. And they think if I keep in touch with these family members or whatever, it's going to be a way for me to keep in the loop with my ex. It's it's just kind of keep fooling yourself into thinking that instead of facing the pain, you just need to, they want to avoid the pain. And so mm-hmm. everyone re- needs to realize like there's no detour around the pain. You have to go through it to get through it. It's so interesting that you brought up your ex being friends with your family or being close with your family, because I find this such a wild dynamic that is more common than not in a lot of breakups. Your ex obviously meant a lot to you and grew close with your family, and now they still want to maintain that relationship. Is it fair to ask your family to not see your ex if you're uncomfortable with them still being 
not directly in your life, but still a presence in your life? Well, I feel that your family should definitely have your back 100%. This should be an automatic, Mm -hmm. unless the person's literally saying, yeah, I have no problem with you being friends with my family or having a relationship with my family. It just shouldn't be happening. And especially if the relationship ended due to cheating or abuse, that should just be a non-negotiable. Like that's wrong on every level, right? Because people need to put themselves in your shoes. Would they like it if their ex was having Sunday dinner with their family, for example? Probably not. This type of situation is only going to really break down the relationship between the family members then. That said though, if people have kids together, it's different because there could still be some sort of interaction due to family holidays or weddings, graduations, funerals even. So you need to be reasonable, but that's still different from being like buddy-buddy with you know, your ex's family. For sure. And that seems unavoidable. You know, the, the children aspect, because you are still a family in a sense, you are still a shared unit. Totally. And that's why people always think like, even in terms of no contact, because I always say the key to moving on is no contact. But people say, well, I have kids. It's, it's obviously harder with kids, but that's when you just have to start only communicating based on the kids. And, and going back to when you don't have kids, if you're hanging out with your ex's family, do you think it's a good idea for an ex to hang out with their ex's family if they have a close relationship or do they need to find a different way to replace that void? I mean, I personally wouldn't be okay with it. Would you be okay with it? <laughs> no. Like, I mean, I think it, it probably is a case by case basis and it depends on the type of relationship. And it's certainly trickier if my family had a relationship with my ex before we started dating. But I just think like, look, I'm losing a lot. With, with this breakup, my ex is losing a lot with this breakup. You know, you guys can lose a friend and they can lose a, a secondary person in their life. I need my family to be loyal to me. Mm-hmm. 100%. Like, there's no way I would want my mom to be off texting my ex saying, Oh, how's it going? Because then, like I said, that's going to break that relationship down. It's going to break down mm-hmm. the relationship with my mom because I'm gonna be like, What's going on here? Like, do you care about how I'm feeling through this? Especially if people are really hurting that's just it becomes a cross as a betrayal for sure and the other thing is i'm your son daughter brother sister cousin like what do you not get from me being in your family being constantly in your life that you'll get from my ex exactly it's probably because the person might not have that many other connections and they're maybe bored. A lot of people, they use it as a way of getting gossip about what's going on. So I want to keep in touch with this person. So I'll see, oh, are they dating again or whatever? And then they have that information to share with other people. So there's a lot of gossip hounds in, in terms of, yeah. you know, and that's not good. Like you don't need people talking about your stuff or getting things back to you because Next thing you know, someone's telling you, oh, yeah, so-and-so is dating again, and it just sets you back. It's like, why are Mm -hmm. you telling me this? Like, do you care about me or not? (laughs) Yeah, and it's the same thing we were talking about looking through old text and and old pictures and deleting all that off your phone. Like, it's just going to trigger you again to not only hear about this person, but hear about them from a source that you really trust and you really care about and knowing they still maintain a relationship. 
Mm-hmm, exactly. I mean, it's just not going to feel good at the end of the day. And then you have to start almost getting anxious, like, what are they talking about? And are they talking bad about me? And is my family even talking bad about me? Or are they telling my personal business? And it might cause you to even keep yourself more closed off from other people because you're like, oh, I can't say this because my ex is going to find out. And, and it makes you question your your family's loyalty. Exactly. Loyalty is everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and number one, if you can't count on your family to be loyal, who can you really count on? Yeah, it'll definitely shake your confidence. Mm-hmm. It seems as though because of social media, your ex can be in your life now more than ever. I feel as though 20 years ago, you'd break up. And if you weren't in the same social circles or work together or even in the same block or two, you really wouldn't run into this person, or at least naturally. Now you could see him all the time on Twitter or Instagram. Do you find that people are falling back into old habits and texting and seeing their exes more because of social media? I think this, again, goes back to it being a choice because technically your ex does not have to be in your life at all because of social mm-hmm. media. You know, it's that's a choice. If people are struggling with moving on or holding on to hope that they will get back with their ex, sure, they're going to keep those connections and sure, they'll message. But all this does is usually create a whole bunch of drama and even more heartbreak because I mm-hmm. really think that you need to cut ties with your ex if you want to move on. You know, it's it's really that simple. So many people are like, I can't move on. I can't move on. It's like, but they're still communicating with their ex all the time. So, yeah, you know, I always say you have to go into full detox mode, just like if you were on a sugar detox. You can't say, oh, I'm not eating sugar, but then every third day having a chocolate bar. That's not a sugar detox, right? Just like with an ex, if you're, for example, watching them on Instagram all day and monitoring their their activity, seeing what picture they liked or whatever, you're just going to drive yourself crazy and it's going to become a really unhealthy addiction. You really have to take the out of sight, out of mind approach if you really want to get over it because otherwise you're just fooling yourself. Yeah, and and you're lying to yourself. It seems like to to really heal from a breakup, you need to practice a lot of self-discipline. What are some ways that people can instill that in themselves, instill a better sense of discipline? Well, after a breakup, you want to get back into a routine. You can't just stay stuck and stay in bed all day for weeks on end or, you know, just not taking care of yourself at all because sure, you're going to maybe do that for a couple of days, but you just have to push yourself. And part of discipline is doing things that you know you need to do, even if you don't want to do them. So it's all about making yourself a priority. You know, you want to be doing physical activity every single day because it can make you feel so much better mentally. It makes you feel better physically and mentally. And you want to focus on things that you're grateful for versus focusing on everything you lack. Like, I don't have this. I'm never going to have this. You know, like you have to know that whatever you put your energy, attention and focus on, you're going to get more of that, good or bad. So you really need to focus on the good things. Also, you want to listen to uplifting podcasts or read some really good books and listen to upbeat music and just whatever you can do to boost your mood, empower you and keep you on a positive track. So all of these things is just being committed to yourself, putting yourself first and what can I do to make myself feel better? What kind of goals can I set for myself? Because the way to build your confidence is to accomplish goals. The more you see progress in your day-to-day, the more progress you see in terms of achieving those goals, that's going to make you more disciplined as well because you're going to be like, wow, I see movement. I see progress. I feel better. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. 
And in the beginning, just really small little goals like, oh, I've been meaning to take this to Goodwill or, oh, I've been meaning to call this person, check in on them. Oh, I've been meaning to clean the bathrooms, you know, little things that are very easily achievable that maybe slip your mind. I think it's always good to start with the smaller goals and then build up because the next day after a breakup, you're not going to have a life-changing revelation. You're not going to find someone new and you probably aren't ready to either. Yeah, no, exactly. It's and just things like decluttering your house and mm-hmm. put away the mem- the things that trigger you. Like maybe there's different things out that maybe you got a picture when you're on a vacation together. Is that triggering you every time you look at it? You know, put that away or go through your cupboards. Is there a bunch of junk food and crap in your cupboards? Clean that out and go shopping again for some really healthy stuff that's going to nourish you and make you feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's all about that self-care and making good choices. I love that you said listening to uplifting music because I found what started as the best hangover solution and just now the best bad mood solution is just I have a Spotify playlist of really garbage like sugar gum pop, Kesha and Katy Perry. And you put that on and it's kind of impossible to be in a bad mood during that, especially when it's over something so trivial. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. It's just like even when you go to the gym are you going to listen to really, you know, sad, depressing stuff? Or are you going to listen to like hardcore stuff that's going to pump you up? You know, like it can shift your mood so much, you know, and just, I always say too, don't sit in silence with all the lights off, put the lights on and put some music on and it's, it changes the energy around you and changes you. Yeah. Distract yourself by any means. Totally. And even watching funny movies, having a good laugh. Sometimes you could be having a really crappy week and then you laugh and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't even realized I haven't laughed in so long. A silver lining of a breakup is certainly that you can self-reflect and and be a little more in tune with your emotional state. The thing is, we have to look at breakups in a positive way too. Like lots of people want to say, oh, you know, I failed at this or this is a failed relationship. Like instead look at it like you had the courage to leave something that wasn't working for you anymore. Why would you want to stay stuck? It takes courage and bravery. And you learn so much from that experience. So take all that val- like that valuable learning and apply it to going forward. Like I always think everyone should have a, a crappy relationship in their life because that's how you're going to learn. That's how you're going to yeah. establish standards. And that's how you're going to look back and say, oh my God, I ignored this red flag, that red flag, and and this should have been a deal breaker. You know, next time you're going to hold yourself more accountable. It's all about looking at, at the bright side too and what you gain from a breakup. It's not all loss. And most people, they're, if someone's to that point where they're breaking up with you and they're not happy, you're not happy either. You're just thinking that you're happy or you just don't want to be alone. That whole thinking I'm alone, which really you're just single. But, yeah. you know, it's it's that fear keeping people stuck and... Or even family and societal pressure. So many people have so much pressure just on the outside world. Oh, are you in a relationship yet? Are you getting married yet? All this stuff. Like, so If there wasn't all that, people would, wouldn't have to even worry about half the stuff they worry about. But people turn 30 years old and they're having a breakdown because, oh my God, I'm, I'm still single on and on. It's like, you shouldn't even be getting married, in my opinion, before you're 30 anyway. Yeah. <laughs> not the kind of thing you need to be rushing along. Especially in this day and age, 30 is pretty mm-hmm. much the new 20. It's not like it was years and years ago where people got married at 18 or 20 and they just stayed together forever. Usually because they had to because the women didn't really have any financial means to not stay with the guy, you know? We were talking a a few weeks ago on the show about how standards are changing, but no one's really addressed or talked about that. How there's been kind of this, we quote unquote called it like a relationship revolution where most people now, they want to establish everything about themselves before they seriously 
settle down and find another person. They may find that person in the process, and that's great, but typically people want to find their own self-identity, where they work, what their career is, where they live, who they are, and have good relationships around that. And I think one of the really important things we need to remember is, one, everyone's on a different path, and two, like, do you. Like, don't worry about what your your family says because they grew up in a different generation. Don't worry about what your friends say because they are in different circles and on different paths than you, even if you're somewhat similar. Exactly. And a huge thing with family is when parents are like putting so much pressure on their kids to get married and this and that, it's usually only because the relatives, they want to be able to tell their relatives, oh yeah, so-and-so is married now or whatever. It's just for show more than anything and keeping up with relatives. Like there's so much of that involved and it's so silly because that's exactly the type of thing that leads to someone just being with someone in a bad relationship because, oh, I, you know, I'm this age or my parents want me to be with someone, so I'm just going to be with someone. And like, that's so such a backwards way of looking at things. And especially there's parents out there who are divorced, who had terrible marriages, and they're telling their kids, when are you getting married? It's like, that just blows my mind. If anything, yeah. those people should be so much more compassionate. Yeah, but they have to live vicariously through them. They have to, like you said, like it's almost a competition with their social standards where, oh, my daughter got married. It's ridiculous. That's exactly what it is. Because, you know, unfortunately, there is this feeling of a bit of like shame or embarrassment if someone is still single at, you know, at a certain age or whatever. And that is just so wrong because just because people are in a relationship, that also doesn't mean that they're happy. How many people out there are in a relationships that they're not even happy or marriages, you know, like, Say, say half of marriages end in divorce. Well, that doesn't mean that the other 50% or 40% or whatever are are happy. That means mm-hmm. a lot of them are going through the motions, staying because of finances, staying because of the kids. <laughs> like how many of yeah. those are actually happy? And the thing is, comparison really is the thief of joy. Because one day you're going to wake up and look back and be like, oh my God, why did I do all that to myself? Why did I let this person influence me to the point where I got myself into a situation I feel like I can't get out of now? For sure. And I would much rather be known as a person who is successful at their career or happy in their life than just someone who has a great girlfriend. That really says more about another person than it says about you. Totally. I mean, I even did an Instagram post about this somewhere along the lines of, if your main goal in life is to be married, you need bigger goals. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's it's such a general goal. And kind of, I mean, this is going to sound a little messed up to say, but easy to achieve than some things. Like, mm-hmm. you, if you lower your standards enough, like, you could technically marry anybody. Exactly. You can go out and it's easy. Like I always say for women, it's easy to find a guy. You can go out, find a guy in a day probably, but is that the guy you want? Is that a guy that has something going on for himself? Is he going to respect you? Can you trust him? You need standards. Yeah, of course. And I always say, unless someone is positively adding to your life in a really positive way and encouraging you in, in positive ways and inspiring you and all that, what's the point otherwise? Like, unless you feel amazing around this person, what is the point? There's no point. Then you're just checking off the boxes. For sure. Do, do you think people are people of a younger generation are a lot more conservative with who they date and are, and are having more are having less relationships, but are having more meaningful relationships. I mean, in the ideal world, that would sound great. But no, it's actually so much more drama because 
of all the dating apps and everything like that. There's, I mean, I get, I help people like on a daily basis of all ages and it's the same problems for all ages. You can't be overlooking these red flags and all that and, you know, all those kinds of things that are just going to get you into a pickle later in life. But the thing is too, with younger people, I think the biggest challenge is the romance is kind of gone, you know? They're not, like, people are asking each other to hang out versus planning a date, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, let's, yeah. you, you know, it's just so much of this, not not much effort is being exerted, in other words. You know, oh, do you want to just, let's hang out or let's meet up or come watch Netflix. Like, no, take the take the girl on a date, for God's sake, you know? Yeah. Like, bring back some old school. And, and when you're out on a date, put your phones away. Like, you'll see people in restaurants on a date and they're both on their phones connect, you know, and that's the thing with younger people, they're losing out on really connecting. And that's why people are getting more and more depressed. Cause yeah, there's all this social media and everything, but that's not real connections. That's all. Fake. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's so what you want people to see, not a holistic view of yourself. Yeah, totally. And then that's why other people are thinking that everyone's so much happier than they are too, because they're comparing their lives to, you know, everyone's highlight reel, as they say. And so you're thinking, oh my God, everyone's so much happier. Oh my God, everyone's in a relationship. Oh my God, this and that. And it's like, next day, you know, these people are broken up and they're deleting all the pictures. So it wasn't yeah. that <laughs> picture perfect behind the scenes, you know? I love that you were saying like, be more romantic because I do feel like there is less romance. I think there's so much fear of rejection these days and people are so cautious. Oh, well, we can get a drink and then, you know, we'll, we'll feel it out from there. And then it never goes anywhere. Like you you have no intention because you're always worried about it not working out. And you never really want to put yourself out there. Well, I think too, it's like people are constantly looking for the next best thing. And they're looking for, you know, they're talking to way too many people. Like for me, if I'm into someone, I want to just be into that person. Then I'm, if I'm not, if I'm out looking for a million other people, clearly I'm not into this person, right? So Find someone you're super into and focus on them. And then if it doesn't go anywhere, then go to the, to the next one. But having like 25 people on the go, it doesn't – a lot of people are just looking for validation like that. And that's when you have to reel it in and say, okay, if I'm doing this, then clearly I have to work on my confidence in myself because why am I looking for all this outside validation? That's actually not making me feel good anyway because none of these people, I'm not even connecting with them. Yeah, you, you don't get to know any of them. Yeah. For the last question, I'm going to dust off an old thing that I haven't done in a while. I always like to ask, what is your favorite act or gesture of love? And it could be a song, a movie, something you've seen someone do, anything at all. I love, like, always, I'm a really good listener. So I think, and listening is so important because there's not enough people are really listening to what other people talk about or say or or anything like that. People usually just want to talk about themselves and listen to themselves talk. So I, I love when someone says something that, and some like if someone says something like, oh, I really, you know, I would love to do this one day or I would, you know, oh, I, I needed that for like I needed something, a certain something and I couldn't find it. And then you just keep that top of mind and you go like maybe it's like a special trip or a special date or buying them a certain book or something and you do that for them. Right. And I think that mm-hmm. is such a gesture of love because it's it's doing it's it shows that you really you really care, right? And it makes the person think, wow, like you really did that for me. You really listened to me. You you paid attention to, you know, what I was saying to you. So I think that's awesome when you can do something like that. I think it's so much better than 
the obligatory things like, oh, it's it's Valentine's Day and here's some roses. You know, it's yeah. doing things like randomly for people too, right? On a on a random day, here I want to do this for you. It doesn't have to be a yeah birthday or Valentine's Day or a holiday. You could, it's nice to do something. It's probably nicer to do something for someone when it's not a special day. Totally, it means so much more. You gotta learn to love them. Three sixty five. Totally. It's it's doing things day in and day out is what is going to make a relationship and not letting things slide and not letting things, you know, like I always say, you can't be shocked. Like when someone finally says, oh, I'm done with this, you can't act shocked because they've probably been telling you so many times up until then that this needs to change, mm-hmm. this needs to change. But people get too comfortable thinking that the other person's never going to leave. Yeah. So then it's like, I call it selective urgency, basically, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. oh, you're yeah. going to leave. Oh my God, I need you back now. I'm panicking. You're, you're, you're the most important person in my life. I can't live without you. It's like, but you had me for the last eight months and you didn't seem to care. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't mean much now, you know? I'm sure it's the same thing too. When afterwards it's like winning the person back and it's like, oh, are you still going to act like this person who's trying to be mature and forward and listening once we're back together or are you just doing that because you lost something not you lost me oh my god exactly it's it's about people wanting what they can't have and this happens all the time people will beg and beg and beg for the other person oh take me back i promise this and that and then they get them back and it's it's just like they could revert back within the same week even you know and it's just yeah, like yeah and then the other person's like oh my god i actually gave you another chance now i have to go through this heartbreak all over again just because, you know, you didn't even keep your word to what you said. But that's when you kind of have to be smart about things too and realize if someone didn't value you and appreciate you while you were together, why would they suddenly do it now? They're mm-hmm. doing it because they lost access to you in most cases. For sure. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on today. This was such an enlightening, therapeutic conversation. Yeah, I don't thank you. It's never quick. It's never easy. But you will get through it. Thank you to Trina for coming on the show this week. For Breakup Coaching, you can visit her at BreakupBoost.com and follow her on Instagram at BreakupBoost. If you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at outofloveshow at gmail.com. Please subscribe to and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Go write a review right now. It would mean the world to me. Out of Love is a production of WeWo Media and is recorded at Hex Street Studios. It is hosted and produced by me, Dan Casarella. The show is mixed by Jake Katz, our engineer. Aaron Bradley is our art director. The opening theme is Acolyte, and the closing theme is Toronto Mug, both written and performed by Slaughter Beach Dog. Special thanks to Mike Masterton. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Stay lovely. <laughs>